0: God bless the Jeff. Because nobody else will. Yeah, the devil's busy damning him. I don't know. (laughs) God bless the... The God blessed... The God... Uh, God blessed where the devil damned. Oh, man. I don't know what that means. (laughs) If you bless God... Can you... Can God be... Can God make a God (laughs) so blessed (laughs) that even God cannot bless it? Um, yes. I mean, the answer is always yes. His name is, uh, what's that guy's name? Tom Brady. (laughs) Can God make a tree so large even he can't? Jeff. (laughs) I I know for a fact the Bible says that God can Jeff anything. Yeah, that's the first line. (laughs) At the beginning, God Jeff everything. (laughs) And then there was light. talk about things my name's henry and my name's houseless john and together we're henry and houseless john coming at you to discuss the cultural avenues the zeitgeist uh welcome back john yes it's been a a minute since i was here last but i'm here now and we'll never discuss why you were gone and because it's nobody's business the point is you're here back now and that's all that matters and jeff can go get fucked jeff fuck yourself yeah, Jeff. Listen, hey, hey li- Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Do you like sex and do you like to travel? Then you can fuck off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why don't you make like a tree and get the fuck out of my sight? Hey, Jeff, if you're you're like sex in a canoe, fucking close to water. <laughs> uh, It's funny because when he was on, I promised him that I would not make fun of him. But I made no such promises this week, so I guess he's Fair game, yeah. And uh, the the good thing about Jeff is that uh, you know you only have to worry about lying to people. Lying to Jeff is like lying to a dog. He can't understand. Oh man, I don't feel good about this anymore. Let's quickly <laughs> move on. Jeff is a really good good person, close personal friend of the podcast, uh, and sure. in, in real life, yes. Um, but yes, it's true. We're coming for the first time ever, ladies and gentlemen, fans. Any non-binary folks, we're coming to you live, at least one of us, from the new official Zero Credits house. Yeah, we're. Uh, I'm really excited to be unveiling this today. Uh, Henry, has. he's the first one to move into the Zero Credits house, which of course is a house that is going to be co-owned by Zero Credits and all of its fans. Uh, and I'm, I'm really excited for what the future brings for this cooperative housing Uh, situation yeah it's gonna be like a dorm there's gonna be people everywhere crawling on the rafters they're gonna be popping out from the woodwork everywhere I look there'll be zero credits people left and right and it's we're gonna make a conclave all in this 1600 square foot house what's that thing they call in the Mandalorian a covert a covert but that's I we're are we gonna hide the fact that we're all there Uh, that is this is the way this is the way um, but yes, for those of you who don't remember, at the end of episode two hundred, we traded the Victorian manor that we somehow came into possession. Forgot what word to say next uh, for a uh, just a normal current day house in the present day of today. So that happened, and it's canon. And now I'm in it. Yeah, it's it's you're in the canon, uh, and you're in it. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm glad that you're enjoying the house. I, of course, am still in my house, a separate house. Because uh, we are recording this over microphone, over distance, which canonically we were not doing when we were both physically in the same location, the weird Victorian turkey house. Right. It was really good seeing you after months of, you know, not even being stuck in the time stream, but just months of social distancing during this pandemic. It's really good to see you in person for that all of that couple of hours we were in that Victorian manor. Don't worry, there's a vaccine. For Victorian manners? Yeah. Oh, no wonder they're not getting sick these days. They're not. uh, They only have, uh, I don't know, dry rot. Let's move on. We're moving on. (laughs) (laughs) Any pause in a podcast. Any pause in a podcast is a perfectly fine time to open a beverage of which I have one. I tried to talk and drink at the same time, and I remembered I can't do that. I also have a beverage. Yeah, that's a classic A classic human lim- limitation is not being able to speak while ingesting liquid. Every day I have to try just to make sure I haven't been replaced by another. Uh, now, of course, I'm drinking a uh, New Belgium Voodoo Ranger Juicy Haze IPA, which is delicious, um, but I get a little tired of New Belgium's whole Voodoo Ranger thing. Just call things different names. Just because you make an IPA doesn't mean you need to make like 17 different kinds of Voodoo Ranger. But it is tasty. Yeah, I've, been see- <coughs> oh, no, um, I've been seeing... Oh, no. That's going to keep happening tonight. I've been seeing a lot of ads for the Voodoo Ranger. And uh, I-, I thought it was just the one type of drink. But then... They keep making other ones with different names under the same label, even though I I don't understand it. I I don't get it. It's very silly to me because Voodoo Ranger was New Belgium's like one kind of West Coast IPA they made. But then IPAs kind of blew up and then there were a million different kinds of IPAs that kind of cycled out through various levels of popularity and then they just kept making them different kinds of voodoo rangers. I think that once you get past your like flagship brand name, anything in addition to that starts to get like increasingly cute. Yeah. I mean, that would be like they, they come out with another, you know, fl- fat tire, but they call it like fat tire extra rubber. I, I don't know. <laughs> it would be like a it would be like a Star Wars Dark Forces two Jedi Outcast situation. Yeah, exactly what you just said. And just call it Star Wars Jedi Outcast. I agree, a hundred percent. And this week, I'm drinking uh, a Swifty. Maybe it's I'm pronounced sorry, what? Maybe it's pronounced Swifty. W- what is this? Um, Real Ale Brewing Company, which I believe is right here in Austin. Um, it is. Yeah. Uh, this is their American Pale Ale, their APA. It's called Swifty. And the uh, the can says, there's always time for a... Like there's always time for a a what? That's where the sentence ends. I'm confused and irritated. Now, um, for people who can't see the can, which is 100% of the people who are hearing this, uh, there's always time for a... is positioned above the logo... So maybe I'm supposed to read it all together. There's always time for a Swifty. Oh, sure, I guess. I don't like that. I don't like that from a branding perspective. Yeah, I don't like it either. But um, a little known fact about this beer is that my realtor gave it to me when we closed on our house. So this is a celebratory house-closing American Pale Ale, and it tastes... Like a American Pale, ale. I mean, it's beer. It's like, yes, this 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 passes the definition of beer. The end. I mean, an American Pale Ale is kind of it's starting to get into the kind of funky territory. Do you find yourself enjoying the American Pale Ale? It's not bad. Um, it's kind of light, which is good because uh, I had to take a hiatus from my usual drinking uh, because I moved this past weekend. And uh, I could not drink because we were moving. I think that an American pale ale, so like to give you a description of mine, it's a juicy, hazy IPA, which as the world of beer moves further and further into the like juicy, hazy IPA, double IPA world. It's basically just a mimosa. It's like a pretty dry, pretty refreshing. It's like drinking like orange juice with alcohol in it. So it's pretty tasty. Right. Uh But eventually, you might become an IPA freak like me. Uh, I mean, I can appreciate the hoppy kind of sort of bitter taste of an an IPA, especially if it's a juicier one that has that smoothing, smoothing, that smooth aftertaste of like a citrus cut or something like that. Um, But I still kind of just prefer the smooth, crisp, dark, refreshing taste of a stout or any type of darker beer uh, that tastes good start to finish instead of just, you know, finish. Yeah, IPA has come out a lot on the finish. Now, why weren't you blackout drunk while you were moving? Um, mostly because we received a little bit of help in the form of my mother-in-law. Uh, she came up here to help us move, and I did not want her to see my crippling addiction to alcohol in action. Now, do you have, uh, maybe this is getting too real. Uh, Are you in a relationship with someone whose family doesn't really drink? That is correct, yes, Um, which is really weird. Uh, Coming from, you know, a South Louisiana home where, you know, you have a drink of dinner and you have a drink before dinner and you might have a drink after dinner. So that's probably like three drinks a day, every day, uh, ad infinitum. You you crack uh, you know whatever Louisiana people drink, eat some boudin. You uh, you look at the alligator wrestling match on your on your rabbit ear TV, and you, you yeah. have a good time. You you crack open a nice cold Dixie beer, which tastes basically like water, and you eat your boudin balls, and you watch the gator the gator wrestling. And uh, but then when it comes time for dinner, you open up a nice red wine that goes well with fried food which is any red wine, but then for dinner, you for dinner, <laughs> <laughs> for dinner, you have some red wine. And then for dinner, <laughs> for dessert, I meant to say, uh, you make a nice mixed cocktail. And so by the time that you're, you're finished that, you are asleep. Yes. You're asleep. And may flights of Zydeco bands sing thee to thy rest. Get that washboard and action, son. Now, uh, I, I'm i also in a position of being in a relationship with someone whose family doesn't really drink, and it, it is odd. I don't know. My family leans much to, more towards, like, I don't know, atheisty, <laughs> so drinking was never, like, a big deal for me. Uh, but I don't know. Some Christians don't drink, which seems crazy because their God was made of wine. It, it's true. It's true. The blood of Christ is uh, just pure wine. And it it seems insane to me that if you're Christian you don't drink mainly because again I come from South Louisiana where everyone goes to church on Sunday with a raging hangover. Now, I mean, let's not pay attention to the fact that if you are a transubstantiation Catholic, you think that Jesus saying that bread is his flesh and blood is his wine is literal, and every Sunday you partake in a cannibalistic ritual. However, when Jesus literally says we should feed and clothe the poor, you choose to say that it's a complex parable that can't actually be instituted in real life. Uh, but whatever, that's fine. That's, Let's not worry about the Catholic Church on this episode. Yeah, we, we talked about the Catholic Church enough in the last episode. If I'm go- if I'm gonna be honest, you talked about the Catholic Church, John. I don't know how to tell you this, but uh, the Pope uh, liked an instant- uh, oh thirsty Pope. The yes. thirsty Pope. The Pope liked a post from a porn star, effectively blessing that porn star with the voice of God. I, uh, you know, can't blame him. Yeah, so th- that did come up last week, uh, for those who missed it. I, I, I'm i on the side of, of Thirsty Pope. I, I support Thirsty Pope. You know, what's crazy is after everything happened, the Vatican was like, we are launching an investigation into this. And it's like, yeah, uh, you, you investigate what happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of obvious, you know, got to do something while you're on the holy throne. Pope's got a phone. Hope's got a phone. Now, the problem is that he didn't, uh, what he really should have done is uh, freaked out because he accidentally liked it, and then almost drop his phone, and then viciously unlike it as quickly as possible. Right. No, that those, light... those, those double taps will get you every time. Every time. Sometimes I'm just trying to scroll, John. I'm just trying to scroll and like... Because my screen's a little broken, it reads my finger moving as two taps, and I'll accidentally like a photo that I should not have liked. Uh, but I'm not the Pope, so I'm allowed to do that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like the po- well, I don't know that the Pope should exist. Uh, but That's fairly mean that's to the Pope. <laughs> not this particular Pope, he seems fine. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, I've, I've definitely been in the position where, I don't know, Why is that picture on my feed in the first place? Because I'm friends with a lot of people. But you ever get that feeling where you're like, what if they were looking at their phone in the moment I did that before I was able to unlike it? The answer is they probably just didn't care. Right. I I mean, I learned very recently that apparently people can see who watched their Instagram stories. (laughs) Okay, Grandpa. Look, I'm old. Cut me some slack. But it's like (laughs) I I had a momentary thought like, oh, no, what if – that they see that I watched it, but it's kind of like, wait, who cares? Yeah, I check who viewed every one of my Instagram stories, and I'm offended at the drop-off. <laughs> Sometimes you go, I'll post, like, two things in a row, and then half the people watch the second one. Did you just, like, did you just swipe your thumb to the left when you saw the start of this? Come on, man. Yeah. No one likes my posts. I don't mess with any of that stuff. The only thing I've been doing lately is posting... Videos of my washing and washing machine singing to me. Thankfully, I did get some pretty good likes. Um, I posted a picture of myself with my ass out. And the Pope did like it. Oh, that's good. You've been blessed by the voice of God. Yeah, it was. It's really great. I've been pontificated. That's the word. Isn't he a pontiff? I thought he was a pope. Popetiff. He's a pontiff. Anyway, thirsty Pope. Thirsty Pope happened, but John. I sent you this news and you did not react, and uh, I have to bring it up now. Uh, we've got good news coming out of the Valiant Comics cinematic universe, John. Oh yes, I <laughs> I did not react to that because it happened at the worst possible time. Yeah, I know. I know, I know why oh, yes. you didn't react. I I keep I, I keep, yeah, I, keep I, I keep putting my foot in my mouth tonight, but we're gonna move it's past fine. it. <laughs> It's fine. Uh, But no, I I did see that and uh, digested it after the fact. It's huge news. Huge news, fams. That is correct. I don't know. Yeah, that's good. That's correct. What is wrong with me? (laughs) Listen, it's been a while since you did a real podcast. Yeah, and the one with Jeff did not count for sure. I'm out of practice. Uh, Coming out of Valiant Comics is the news that they are moving forward with a bloodshot sequel with Vin Diesel attached. I'm so excited. Now, obviously what this means is they're laying more groundwork for this Valiant Comics cinematic universe to really launch off. Because if you remember, a little company called Marvel Studios did something very similar in the past. They did. They did an Iron Man, and then what? What did they do next? The Incredible Hulk. No, no, they didn't. I wait. Was it really not Iron? Was it Iron Man two, and then Incredible? Yeah, it was Iron Man two, and then Incredible Hulk. Right? I don't. I don't count the Incredible Hulk as part of the canon. But the Incredible Hulk was the first instance of the Marvel Cinematic Universe existing. That that was the whole thing. People forget. That this thing that we've taken badly for granted in the cultural zeitgeist is owed entirely (laughs) to that dog shit incredible Hulk movie. I've never seen it, and I never will. You know what I'm talking about, though, right? Yeah. Apparently, Iron Man shows up. You've told me this. Yeah, Iron Man shows up in a post credit scene. Yeah, great. The first post credit scene of the MCU. People went crazy. okay, no, the first sucked historically, the first post-credits scene of the MCU was Nick Fury visiting Iron Man and yeah, telling okay, them they're starting yeah. S.H.I.E.L.D. Okay. That's when but, the MCU started for me. The MCU truly started with the Incredible Hulk, and this is the hill I will die on. And it, it's You know, you've got, like, technicality on your side, because I hear what you're saying. A character from another movie appearing in a movie they had nothing to do with thus establishing a shared universe. Uh, But that was Ed Norton. And then Ed Norton was never the Hulk again. And what a shame. Well, Mark Ruffalo is really good. He really is. My point was, in my head, (laughs) which I'm now conceding may not be the actual truth, uh, because I always forget the Incredible Hulk. 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 (laughs) <laughs> you you nailed it The Incredible Hoke. <laughs> but in my head H-O-U-K <laughs> in my head the Marvel Cinematic Universe started with Iron Man and then they did Iron Man 2 and then they yeah. started doing everybody else if the name of this episode isn't The <laughs> Incredible Hulk, I will be very upset <laughs> The Incredible Hoke. uh yeah sure Uh, Let's call Bloodshot 2 because, you know, the first Bloodshot and the first Iron Man equal in terms of quality. Uh, So I'm willing to say that Bloodshot 2 is our Iron Man 2. Now, I'm wondering if it's going to be like Iron Man 2 in that it's not going to be as good and it barely will serve a purpose. I actually feel pretty strongly uh, in the opposite direction because I feel like the valiant cinematic universe the only thing and i think you might back me up on this as someone who has seen bloodshot kind of the only thing that was keeping that movie from being better was extreme budgetary constraints right yeah the the obvious green screen in some of the final fights definitely pulled me out of it the obvious green screen the playstation 4 fucking the (laughs) surge level graphics yeah yeah um but i i don't know i think it I think that everyone involved in the first Bloodshot was really, really talented, and they did everything they could with what, like, Bloodshot, even though, let's be honest, half of that movie was them trying their damnedest not to show what was happening on screen because they didn't have the money for it. Right. It was, like, really good. Like really good. Now, a lot of the plot of the first Bloodshot was, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but was spo- was was toying with the typical sort of hero narrative in a, in a very clever way. And I'm just wondering, in a sequel, are they going to continue that sort of playful tone, toying with what con- constitutes a superhero narrative, or are they going to go straight action movie from here on out? I would be really interested for I don't know it's it's a difficult space just because Deadpool exists. Exactly. But I I would be really interested to have to have something that does fit pretty neatly into the like hyper violent, largely hyper masculine like action movie world while being knowing. Like I feel like Deadpool has pretty much totally taken the place of like oh, this is like constantly, not just knowing, but toying. But I think they would be, I don't know, assuming that the same people write this movie, they would probably be able to do some kind of clever things. And I hope they would push forward with the trying to do some clever things, you know, angle, because I, I don't know if this, this, look, Shot was good, but what made it good was the messing with the audience I'm not sure if the property can stand on its own two legs as a straightforward sort of action movie. Yeah, I feel like the twist in Bloodshot, and I feel like either you or I have interchangeably been saying Deadshot and Bloodshot. Uh, <laughs> look, Blood, Blood, Dead is. <laughs> Listen, I the one thing I want to about Shot Shot is it was, uh, I I don't know, I think that the the twist pulled a lot of the weight in that movie because as a movie, which I was not, I don't know, the first one benefited so strongly from my very low expectations that when it actually managed to be like pretty smart and do a twist that I was genuinely not expecting uh, really cool uh, I don't know that they can do that with a second Bloodshot movie. I mean yeah absolutely, like the so much of that movie's strength was my approach to it <laughs> which was, I expect nothing out of this. Let's put it on on a Sunday afternoon uh, and, you know, kind of make fun of it with my wife. And we absolutely were ripping it apart at the beginning. But then that twist happens and we realized they wanted us to do that. (laughs) Yeah, they wanted us to say, of course it's a guy in a freezer with Psycho Killer playing. Yeah, they wanted it. And, and like, even they they made like, we talked about it in our supplemental reading of it. Um, So check that out if you had not But, like, The movie even kind of makes fun of itself and I you know know, how do you keep that going for a whole sequel without sort of introducing more of the Valiant comic characters I mean at some point I don't know this is this is not me being funny I legitimately have lost sleep over-imagining being the Valiant Comics Cinematic Universe artistic director and trying to figure out when Turok happens. Because Turok's the one, right? Yeah, Turok's the... Turok's the... Is there a... It's the Spider-Man. Yeah, Turok Turok is the one. It's like, everyone knows this as much as someone can know something from Valiant Comics. It's like Turok and then Shadow Man and then everything else Mm -hmm. is a light year away from that. So, like, I... Can Turok be next? Will Bloodshot 2 have just enough momentum to be like, we really need a boost? Turok needs to be the next one, which, uh, in case anyone listening does not know, uh, I am Turok. uh, Turok Dinosaur Hunter. Very classic Nintendo 64 game. Uh, And people love it. People love Turok. I I think it's too big of a name to be next. Like, you gotta start out small. Like, you know, the first one was Iron Man, and the next one was the Incredible Hulk in your universe, and in my universe it was... Iron Man 2. What's the next one? Thor? Her- Thor? Was it Thor? It's it? gotta be Thor, right? Oh. Because the, the tease at the end of Iron Man 2 was Thor's hammer. Right. right? So, yeah, it was Kenneth Branagh's Thor. Yeah. <laughs> what a... What a... You know... It's amazing that we ended up with a Marvel Cinematic Universe considering how on average poor the movies leading up to the Avengers were. Remember in the the first Thor movie, they rode horses across the Rainbow Bridge to get to the uh-huh. teleportation? Uh-huh. They had horses. They had horses. <laughs> you know, these movies actually kind of weren't that good. <laughs> they weren't at the beginning, which was so, like, like, the thing that made the first movie so good was what they did with Avengers. And that kind of... Yeah, absolutely. That got us on board for the next sort of phase of movies, and which ended with Age of Ultron, which kind of got a lot of people off board. You know, we, we look at this as being this massively successful thing. It was pretty rocky, actually. So I, I will, I'm willing to give Valiant Comics some runway here. They can have a rocky start. In fact, they already have one. Uh the the funny thing about bloodshot the first movie was it was not profitable uh yeah no it, it's amazing that they but here's the thing. how is it Give getting it, a sequel here's the thing and this is the best this is the best marketing pitch you can ever get for bloodshot the only reason bloodshot was not a massive critical success oh, no. was due to a global pandemic. The scale of which has not been seen for a hundred years. Yes. That is the if only you, reason. If you had a movie, if you're like, listen, the new mutants would have done numbers, but the seas dried up. Right. Right. I, I feel like if you were a student, you have to give money to the bloodshot people again, if not just out of fairness. Just to be like, hey, we had faith in you, and uh, that was a hell of a Black Swan event. That was a hell of an externality that we could have not have in any way foreseen. So, you know, maybe have another like $3.6 million. Open. Right, right. It's like, hey, your, your budget before wasn't that large. Uh, could you pull off a sequel uh, and maybe we can really recruit the losses of the first movie when we can release this movie in theaters And everyone comes see it because Vin Diesel is attached. And also there's a two in the title. And of course the difficulty is like, uh, and and this is something that's kind of scary about media in general. And maybe we don't need to talk about, but like no one fucking knows what numbers for movies are like now. You're right. No one knows how well any movie has performed unless a studio has explicitly released numbers. Um, we know how well movies that released only in theaters like the New Mutants did, which is fucking awful. Right, right. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. Because uh, like Tenet was released, uh, which feels like millions of years ago. Um, but they released the first week of numbers, which is, was not good. Um, and then like the subsequent weeks, every, they just stopped. They just started withholding the numbers again. And everyone canceled or delayed their, their releases. And now it's like, there's been no new movies and it's all thanks to Chris Nolan's masterpiece Senate. It's because there's no actual codified process for reporting non box office numbers. Even, even private showing numbers don't actually have to be piped through the typical like reporting channels. So like you and I, right, we could each rent a room at Alamo draft house For $150 and just watch Tenet, which I've considered doing. uh, And those numbers don't have to be reported. You don't know how many people are like funneling tons of money into private showings. Obviously, they got that Fortnite money, which is um, fucking believable. But, like, there's no way to know what movies have been successful in this time. There was someone who was doing a metric, and they're like, King of Staten Island might be one of the most successful movies of all time compared to its budget, because everyone just bought it. Right. I I mean, there was... It's a weird time for movies. It's it's completely weird, um... Like for an instance, for a for instance, you know, we were all at the very beginning of this, this stay, stay in place and stay at home, and shelter in place, all these orders where we had to stay in. And Netflix just happened to release that Tiger King documentary that I never watched. And it got really big, but only because everyone was watching it. And it got so big that movie th- movie studios like tapped people to be in the movie for it. But by the time that movie is made and released, no one's going to go see it because we were only interested in it because it was literally the only thing on. I mean, we we laugh and we talk about like, oh, when the vaccine comes out, we're going to go see so many movies or whatever. I truly don't know what media is going to look like post lockdown. Oh, yeah, for sure. I hope it returns to normal, but I, I don't think that it can. I think that I don't know. Disney is by no means like honor bound to release any numbers on Mulan, but you have to imagine from the number of people you saw on social media watching it when it was $30, that Disney would be pretty strongly impelled to release additional movies and that maybe like B tier Disney movies I don't know. It's it's, it's going- really tough. The the movie theater might be dead. Well, half of the movie theaters in America are financially dead anyway, but Yeah, I mean we're in a really tricky situation. I I mean I read a headline the other day that Tim League, the owner of Alamo Draft House, uh used to be CEO but had to step away for problematic reasons. Um but he was selling a lot of bad stuff happening at Alamo. Yeah. He was selling off his personal movie poster collection to keep his, <laughs> to keep his chain afloat. Unbelievable. It's, it's a bad time for movie theaters. It's when your business is solely dependent on there being a product to sell and that product just stops being made or distributed. There's no way, no real way to stay afloat. You know what I think will fix it though? What's up? Bloodshot 2. Bloodshot 2. I'm here to say first, Chris Nolan thought his tenant was going to get people back in the theaters and he was going to be the messiah of movies or whatever. Uh, but I'm here to, to say it first. And well, actually, you just said it first. I'm here to corroborate it first that Bloodshot 2 is going to save the movie theaters, going to save movies, going to be the next biggest thing bigger than Marvel. I'm I'm here to corroborate that first. I'm just saying what happened was coronavirus blew up Bloodshot and then Bloodshot reformed. Oh, yeah. Came up to the coronavirus and said, you're not Bloodshot. You're just John Blood or whatever his name is. And then Bloodshot 2 said, that's enough. And then they both blew up, and Bloodshot two killed the goddamn coronavirus. Right, right. Gary Bloodshot killed the kills the coronavirus. That's the plot of your next movie. Don't just spoil the ending of Bloodshot. If I if podcast I, where we were really trying not to spoil. The look, Bloodshot. if I don't say anything, no one will know. Ah, edit that out. You're editing. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. It's your turn. We'll see. Hey, it's your turn. I'll see. Hey, buddy! It's your turn. Uh, bloodshot. Bloodshot. Uh, very excited. I love when Vin Diesel gets new work. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, I'm, I, I, I really want the Vali- Valiant comic cinematic universe to to really take off, so we can meet characters like Shadow Rock, Shadow Man, Shadow Man. Do you know who Shadow Man is? No. Shadow Man had a Nintendo 64 game. Okay. Oh, is he like a... He's a a detective? No, he's a Shadow Man. I think he has like some voodoo stuff. He's a detective. I got you. Wait, hold on. Hold on. As Shadow Man, Jack, I guess that's his name, paranormal strength, endurance, agility, reflexes, night vision, healing gliding capabilities, depleted fear... And other voodoo powers. Oh. So all of the previous powers were obviously voodoo powers. My favorite voodoo power, gliding. Uh yes. So I wanna meet I wanna meet Time Walker. So both Shadow Man and Shadow Man's Second Coming were video games featuring the character of Shadow Man. Livewire seems cool. Ninjack. Solar? Toyo Harada? What about Magnus Robot Fighter? Uh, what about Faith Herbert? Wait, Faith Herbert sounds familiar. Blood what? Bloodshot? There's literally a character named Roku. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, the Hardcore. I think they were also a video game. Doctor Tomorrow sounds generic enough to be familiar. Mother God. Are we looking at the same pain on Google to just look at the names of characters? Uh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're right. My favorite is Peter Stanchek. Uh so Ninjack apparently not in anything and I was wrong to be familiar with Ninjack. Uh Lifewire seems cool. Uh let's see. Live hardcore sounds familiar to me. Are they in anything? This is awful. This is not. This is not what? good radio. Anyway, <laughs> this yes, is awful. I, I want to see Turok in a movie, but I don't want it to be next because I want them to take their time and build up to Turok. He has to be earned. There's. I feel like Shadow Man's got to be next, if not Turok, to introduce like the supernatural element of the Valiant Comics cinematic universe. Yeah, I mean, Turok's pretty hardcore sci-fi, but, you know. Yeah, you got your your three prongs of Valiant Comics. Uh, Super action, and that's Bloodshot. Mystical uh voodoo powers, which is Shadow Man. And then Uh just generic sci-fi, which is Turok. (laughs) Yes, Uh, generic sci-fi plus time travel. Though I forget if Turok actually goes back in time or if he goes to planets that have dinosaurs... On them. In the second one, the dinosaurs look like people. Well, they've evolved into, like, dino-hybrid human people. Yeah, Turok fucking slaps, though. It is really good. And any movie that they decide to do, I will be excited by and for and with. So, uh, let me just read you the fictional character biography of uh, Valiant Comics character Faith Herbert. Okay. Okay. After losing her parents in a car crash at a young age, Faith Herbert is raised by her loving grandmother. The young Faith found solace. Solace is interestingly misspelled. In the fantasy worlds, her parents once shared with her comic books, science fiction movies, and the the TV shows of Joss Whedon. What? And nerd fandom filled her life. Uh, eventually, Faith thought she could, she had found the secret to becoming a real superhero when she was approached by the Harbinger Foundation. There, Faith met Peter Stanchek. Oh no, it's happening. Uh, another powerful psyot, the foundation had recently recruited. Using, utilizing her ability to activate her latent psyots, Peter unlocked the potential within Faith, giving her the ability to fly. Hmm. She has the ability to generate a companion field, fly, and unlock doors without physical contact. Okay, that last one's pretty amazing. (laughs) Uh, Faith Herbert, everybody. Watch out for the upcoming Faith Herbert film. Yeah, that sounds good. I like that. And also, you get Peter Stanchuk in there, so you get a two for one. I feel like Peter Stanchuk is going to be the Nick Fury of this whole thing. Right. Uh, can I just say right now, I want to write something about psychic people with powers, but call them Sidiots? Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good. Siot. <Psy-hot? laughs> <laughs> oh no, there's a Sidiot in the facility. <laughs> there's a Sidiot. <laughs> it's like psychic people, but they're just really dumb. So yeah, yeah. They they're very psychic, but also dumb. Yep. That's there's the most a- the most dangerous combination. What's your favorite video game from the early 2000s about psychic men who were bald? I mean, you've only got two choices. Either PsyOps the Mindgate Conspiracy or Second Sight. I didn't play either of them. Second Sight was by the developers of Splitters too, and was generally a better game. But PsyOps the Mindgate Conspiracy let you mind control people and make them kill themselves. Cool. I wish there was a job of just knowing dumb shit about <laughs> video games released from the year 1992 to 2008. Is the main character from Psychonauts bald? Uh, Raz? I don't know. Where's that hat, and also I never played that game. It's pretty good. I'd recommend it if you like platformers. I don't have time. Oh, you don't have time for another Witcher 3 playthrough? I'm don't. i currently... What game am I playing? Nothing. I'm playing nothing. I just moved. My entire now life has been this move. Now it's time to talk about video games for 30 minutes. I just started The Witcher 3. Oh, hey! I got halfway through that and never picked it up again. I could not bring myself to finish The Witcher 2. Kind of a slog. Really good, but, like, Witcher 3 seems cool. I uh, So, no lie, I finished... Uh, Witcher 1. I played that all the way through. (laughs) How could you do that and then not finish additional Witchers? And I finished Witcher 2 and I played that all the way through. And uh, I started Witcher 3, got a really significantly, like, hugely through it, uh, looked up at a guide, found out that I got locked out of the the romantic choice I wanted to make and uh, then never picked it up again. Wait, did you want to was it triss Yeah. it yennefer's the way to go dude yennefer's you read the, the witcher books she's canonical yeah she's canonical canonically yes it's yennefer and triss only plays a very minor part in the books they really exploded her 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 importance and her role for the games for some reason yeah after playing witcher 1 and most of witcher 2 actually getting into the books i'm like triss is nothing right yeah Yennefer's where it's at. I mean, even in the show, the the Netflix adaptation of The Witcher, Trish shows up for like maybe one or two episodes and she's like, you know, I'm here, but Yennefer is clearly more important. Lilacs and gooseberries, motherfucker. Yep. Uh, Witcher Witcher 3, uh, I really much, really much, I very much enjoyed what I played of it and I might go back one day and just accept my lumps and end up with Yennefer it's fine. I had a, uh, a series of unfortunate drives I had to make, so I got to listen to three Witcher books. They're actually pretty good. That's good to know. I, I'm still making my way through the Dark Tower, but maybe I'll go to those next. Wait, let me take a brief aside. This is a genuine public service announcement for the listeners of Zero Credits. Henry. John. Do you know what a library is? Is that a place where the homeless go to masturbate on computers? <laughs> in, in addition to that. What's that that is its primary. That is that, uh, Please, it's people experiencing masturbation. Okay. Uh, but it is, uh, in addition to its primary focus, uh, it is also a place where one can free of charge uh, Borrow, not rent, but borrow books. Are you aware? Yeah, and they're usually free to join. Free to join. You can get, as long as you have a valid state ID, doesn't have to be a driver's license. uh, You can join your local library. And Henry, have you ever heard of Overdrive? Overdrive? That's the system by which you can rent either. Uh, audio or e-books uh, for free with connection to a library that's right if you have a library card just tie it to your local library and then you can for free borrow audiobooks and text books regular books e-books e-books for up to 21 days or longer for some reason sometimes they run out and i don't really know how that works i, I don't understand uh, it either but if you have an Overdrive account, there is no reason to ever buy an audiobook again. Don't subscribe to Audible. Audible is a, it's a really shitty company. <laughs> um, and also their audiobooks are expensive and also they were they got sued. Uh, anyway, don't do Audible. Do Overdrive. They've got so many books. and As long as you're not trying to read one of the, the girl who kicked the hornet's nest or whatever books or some Harry Potter stuff. Then you can probably find an audiobook of it there for free. Get overdrive. It's the best. That sounds pretty good. Yeah, just get go to your local library and sign up for a card. I mean, you've got that ID anyway, so you know, might as well get some mileage out of it. And while you're at it, get pick up a couple e-books. Like I you know, I'm reading through the Dark Tower. I've got ebooks. I fall asleep every night. Wondering what Roland's going to get up to next. He's the gunslinger. It's a really good time. I There's so many horrific things. I'm having a blast. Read uh, some of the Witcher books by Peter... <laughs> don't know his last name. <laughs> Starts of an S. Uh, but uh, Sir, Sir, Sir Kursky, Uh by Peter Curvy. Uh, listen to some of those Witcher books. Listen to them and think, this book seems surprisingly... Uh, like progressive and modern. And then at the end, when they read the copyright, realize that was written in 1994 <laughs> and uh, Poland is just a better place than America. Yep. Like you listen to those books and be like, why does George RR R. Martin keep like writing about awful horrible sexual violence happening to 14 year olds but the witcher books got it right i don't know it's almost like if you're from a country that experienced the very nuanced version of like prejudices against people just who look exactly like you but are from a different country you might develop more empathy than if you come from a country that is still very much pl- plagued by the same problem for over 400 years I listened to three Witcher books and no joke. The core thesis of all three was how war is awful and racism is stupid. Yeah. I mean that like even the Witcher games are very much like they let you role play, you know, Geralt, however you want. But more often than not, or at least me, this is just me. Like I find myself always siding with the outsiders because you yourself it are an outsider. Like Geralt is this abomination onto everyone who, who he meets. So of course he's going to stick up for the the, the 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 you know the other or the the different person and usually that's the better outcome in the games. Yeah, like if you go around and everyone's fucking dunking on the Tell, maybe hear the Tell out even though they have problems. Yeah, they do. I mean, the the good thing about the Witcher games is there's no clear-cut good versus bad. It's just, you know, what what <laughs> What flavor of evil are you going to accept today? There's only one kind of bad person in the universe of The Witcher, both the video games and the books. And it's men with smashed noses and dirty tunics who say, Oi, Witcher, which means you will immediately beat or kill them with no remorse. Oi, Witcher. Oi, Witcher. Toss a coin to you Witcher. (laughs) And then his head just gets cut off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I will say half of the Witcher audiobooks, they're all read by the same guy, but I don't think they were on the same page about the pronunciation because the earlier ones they pronounced Dandelion as (laughs) Dandelion. Oh, interesting. Not great. But still, uh, listen to them. They're fine. They're only like seven hours long. It's interesting because in the show he's called like Jasker, which is basically... It's it means the same thing, you know, like dandelion or like wild weed. Yeah, I think they just moved it back to the original. But then when they translated it to dandelion, they chose to read it as dandelion, which makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, dandelion oh, that was a long. It's an English long word. To, to say it, yeah. just say dandelion. Just say dandelion. The horse's name. Listen, it's not complicated. The horse's named Roach. A man is named Roach. <laughs> Everybody's name is Roach. Everyone's name is Roach. Also, why isn't her name just Jennifer? No, it's Jennifer. Jennifer? No, 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 no. Uh Janiel. <laughs> Januel. Jan-uel. <laughs> oh, that's something we haven't talked about yet. Oh no. What? Um John, have you watched Auntie Donna's big old house of fun on Netflix? Have we talked about Auntie Donna? At all on this podcast, I believe we talked about them in regard to their live shows that we watched. Uh, I would love to talk about Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun. Yes, uh, it is okay. Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun is a six-episode sketch comedy show on Netflix. This is your your intro, and now we can talk about whatever we want. <laughs> yes, uh, it is a six. Apparently, uh, has met with pretty like rave reviews pretty great reception across the board what's crazy to me is that because uh, you know we follow auntie donna on twitter and uh they actually they were trending in the uk and canada and uh, you know across the world and never once in the united states so apparently auntie donna's big old house of fun cracked the top 10 in netflix everywhere but the united states right right uh, it, Which is fine. It's weird because I've seen, you know, I've talked to people who I know, who whose comedy opinions, you know, I respect, and I've read reviews from American people, and um, the conclusion I've drawn is I have to say to them, well, I guess it's just not for everyone. While in my mind thinking, but it's so good, it's the <laughs> it rivals to me. You know, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. No, absolutely, uh, no question. Uh, I mean, I think, I think, I think you should leave as like genius. Uh, but Auntie Donna, big old house of fun, also genius. It is somewhat difficult to divorce from it. You and I's uh, personal relationship with Auntie Donna, right? <laughs> which is a a cool thing to say. Uh, but I think that you were the first one to show me Auntie Donna. You showed me uh, same tie. Oh man from their Y2K. So Auntie Donna, Australian sketch comedy group, uh, basically their business model up to the Netflix show was that they would receive large grants from the Australian Arts Committee uh, and sometimes from private interests. And then they would use that money to create a six to 10 sketch arc, usually using a theme. And we dropped in right around... Uh, what would turn out to be one of the earlier ones in their YouTube career, which is was their Y two K series. Absolutely, which uh, highlighted Office Life of all things in the year two thousand. Yes, Mugachini. Yeah, t- two things I would never like either. You, it's kind of like a, a hat on the hat. Like y- you either make fun of Office Life or the YouTube year two thousand, but they did both and pulled it off with flawless execution. And so, Auntie Donna, three people, uh, Broden Kelly, Mark Bonanno, and so, uh, Zach Wayne. I've learned as of late, it's not just three people, it's five people. Oh, you're right. So you've, you've got the on-screen talent. of me. Yeah. Yes. You've got the on-screen talent, which which John just introduced, but then they also have like a director and a, and a writer who, who are attached with them everywhere they go. It's also not fair because that's like the three people who are on it the most, but they also have uh, two female members, which are regular recurring members of their sketches, but not their live shows. One of which... I feel bad because I forget their name. One of which her name is Michelle uh, Brazier, and the other Mm -hmm. one whose name I don't know... um, Look, Auntie Donna is great. They so their their style of humor is like absurdist over the top with some base level of logic like just making fun of the the weird abstractions of real life and just the mon- the mundane things that we love. They just it, it's like observational comedy on steroids to an absurdist level. Yeah, I, I think that Auntie Donna, I mean, I don't want to you only gain so much from dissecting things to a certain level. Uh, but The cool thing about absurdist comedy is that absurdist comedy has uh, both depth and layers. Uh, So if you take something like, I would compare them. So there's like a branch in absurdism, right? Right. And one edge of the branch is to go like Eric Andre. And Eric Andre is to become funny by surpassing the humor. Like you exit out of the humor and you say, "The, the premise is what I care about. So by the premise becoming increasingly inverted and perverted, that's where I'll get my jokes from. And then from the Auntie Donna branch, it's like, no, the humor. So the joke is the thing. Like we understand what the like logical incongruity is that makes people laugh at something. And we're going to turn that into like a weird, ridiculous creature, uh, which is what Auntie Donna does. They, they find a joke and they do it again and again. And permute and change and combine in a way that I have not seen anyone else do. They're really special. Yeah, they're, they're definitely a diamond in the rough of just people on YouTube producing com- content, and that they are very consistent. Uh, you know, they're, they're not. It's when they have the money and the budget, and they're they're when they you know when when they plotted it out. They can do weekly releases, but there might be months or years in between those. Um, And then it turns out that they have been working on this Netflix show for five years, and that's why maybe sometimes the content was slow. Um, And if we're we're being honest with each other, Auntie Donna is part of the reason why I live here in this glorious, expensive B-city that I live in. Uh, Because the first time I came to visit... You after you moved here was to see Auntie Don alive at the Paramount. Wait, you, you didn't even live here at the time? No, we we came here for that. Oh my gosh. Yeah, right? Am I wrong? You might be right. I I because I know we saw them twice. Yeah, we saw them. Where did you stay if you didn't live here? You know, I had to have lived here. Did I? Because you Can didn't I you didn't stay with us. Yeah. You, co- you, you sure? could have gotten a hotel. Like, I, I I don't know, buddy. No, no, no. There w- there was a time where we did something and we paddleboarded and we stayed at your apartment. Right? Right. I, no, no. Absolutely. I got a really bad sunburn on my feet. Absolutely. Yeah, you stayed in my studio apartment. And you stayed at your wife's place. And then I had, this is embarrassing, but there was one night of overlap and apparently I snored the loudest. Oh, yeah. Yes I remember which which is so weird because I don't normally snore uh yeah actually I, I lived with you for like two weeks you didn't you didn't really snore I think it's because I was on my back because I was on the couch and normally I sleep on my stomach yeah that would make sense that was gracious of you but anyway Auntie Don is one of the reasons <laughs> I live here yeah no absolutely like I one of the reasons we picked so we you know little backstory Jamie and I we we listed out three cities we'd want to live in. Uh, and Austin was one of them. Wait, hold on. Did you just name your wife? I've said her name. She's been on the podcast. Listen. <laughs> now she has power over you. She knows your true name. <laughs> she has a lock of my hair wherever she goes. Um, but one of the reasons we picked Austin was because I f- I wanted to live in a destination city where people will actually stop on their tours, and, and I could go to them. Because, like, I lived in New Orleans for years, and all we got was, like, Britney Spears and the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's like, you you think New Orleans would be a destination city, but it always gets skipped over. But Austin is, like, the live music, live music capital of the world or whatever. And, like, it's got, like, these comedy festivals or it used to before covid and so, like I could shout out to Oob, shout out to South by Southwest, and shout out to Moon Tower Comedy for sure. Uh, but uh, it's like I, I wanted to live in a destination city, and uh, Auntie Donna blessed us by coming twice within like yes. a year. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. once when I did not live here, again when I did live here. Yeah, they were very, they were very kind to you too, to come back. We've touched their bodies. I called Mark Bonanno very tall to his face and he said <laughs> I always remember this I, for some reason I just said man you guys are so big and Mark Bonanno just goes yeah I'm fucking huge <laughs> it's pretty funny <laughs> I uh, I was hoping for Broden uh, but I got Zach oh, and uh, I, I came up to Zach and I I think I said it's just you know it's it's great <laughs> you guys are great <laughs> And uh, he just said he really appreciated us, and I took the uh, worst picture I've ever taken in my life. Yeah, same. It's very blurry. It's, I I hate that picture so much. Um, but we touched them, and now they're Netflix famous. Now they're so Netflix. Maybe yeah. Now we are next. We are next. Yes. <laughs> our 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 very small following, who we love very much, and our our virtual no presence anywhere else but on Twitter will land us, a, and I want to stress this, us, an audio-only podcast. Yeah, that is, yes. (laughs) Where no one has seen our face, and uh, if they were listening to this podcast, would believe we had almost no chemistry. Absolutely. That's going to land us a Netflix deal helmed by Egg Helms. Ah, my name is Egg. Uh... It's it's just very good. It's odd to be proud of people that you don't truly know. I don't know. We the most views that any video on their YouTube channel had when we saw them was like one hundred and eighty thousand views. Yeah, and now they've got a Netflix show. It just feels nice. It feels nice to see people that you like get famous. No, it's great because when we discovered them, it was kind of the thing. And we showed them to our circle of comedian friends who we lived in the same city with. Yeah, one in three actually liked them, I think. Right. And um, it, like the sentiment that I shared with the people that I showed who liked it was like, why aren't they bigger? And, and now it's like, well, now they finally are. And let's see what happens. And can, you know, fingers crossed, you know, can they get a movie or something out of this? <laughs> yeah. I All we want is a movie. Listen, Auntie Donna Zach Wayne, Mark Kelly, Broden Banano. <laughs> We want a freaking movie. Put screen. Put silver to screen. Right. Make a movie. And, and you know, if you're listening to this, and I know you're not, but like you've liked enough of our tweets, fucking follow us, dude. Follow us back. I don't don't plead on the podcast. It's unbecoming. I know. Look, I'm desperate. I just need friends. <laughs> You touched their bodies. You're already a friend. I know. I've touched I've touched the bodies that have touched Scott Ackerman. Why is he <laughs> why is that an achievement? I don't know. I uh I don't want to say anything about Scott Ackerman. He's real powerful in this town, this town of white men with podcasts. Um he like started a whole network and then left it or something. Yeah, I love Scott Ackerman. I'd kiss him any day. Yeah. Anyway, check out Auntie Donna's big old house of fun. I know, it. it, you know, we kind of just blabbed and and loved them and uh, gushed about them. But to talk about the show in any other context would just ruin the the fun levity and surprise. Um, So just go ahead, check it out yourself. Give it a couple episodes. There's only six. So give it like six episodes and you'll fall in love just like we have. Yeah, I will say... You know, if if we're being critical, can I be critical? You can absolutely be critical. It's a free country this week. I'm just going to say Cowdoy really brings it down. What? No, Cowdoy's a highlight. I'm just saying, if they had a little less Cowdoy. No, I I would say they needed to turn up the Cowdoy. A a difference of opinion. I get it. Yeah, this is where we agree to disagree. I'm just saying Cowdoy was a gem. If. I'm just saying maybe 80% less Cowdoy. Maybe, I don't know, 90% more aggressive son that says, I'm going to get you. <laughs> uh, okay. I, I I will see maybe 40% less Cowdoy uh, and then 40% more Weird Al doing vampire yeah. things. More Weird Al for sure. For sure. I, I want po- sure I want to point out these these lads these cheeky Australian lads came across the ocean and got Paul F Tompkins to be in their their sketch show to be an inanimate object. <laughs> they got weird al to basically be Elvira. They got Kristen Schaal to have three lines. This is huge. They got uh, uh, Tawny Newsom to be the queen. Oh, never mind. Spoilers. Uh, I, it's just so fun. The biggest names attached to the project have the smallest parts, and it feels kind of like South Park where they got George Clooney to play a dog. Like, if, I, if we ever got big enough, that's what I would want to do. Which we will. The secret. Yeah, the secret. We will. When we get that big... I want John Mulaney to come on and just say the name of the podcast, and then we use that as a soundbite, and then we thank him for his time and ask him to leave. Oh, I've already cast John Mulaney on our eventual TV show. Oh, cool. Who is he? Or what is he? So, our TV show is, of course, in real time. Uh, Absolutely. There's no other way to do it. I can't do multiple takes. uh, Whenever I go pee, pee? (laughs) Stick with me. I'm here. Stick with me. I hear the judgment already. I hear the judgment. Whenever I go pee-pee in the toilet, oh, uh, Stop. John Mulaney is the sound of the water uh, <laughs> reacting. Okay. Okay. So when I go pee, he goes. I don't want to insult the man. He's not being insulted. We're paying him in exposure. <laughs> He just became a a staff writer for the Seth Meyers show. Oh, great. Yeah, which is funny. A lot of people uh, on Reddit, of course, because that's where I live. Uh, But a lot of people are like, isn't this a step back for him? And it's like, he's a writer on a nightly late-night talk show. I think he's doing okay. (laughs) Yeah, I think he's doing okay. Also, I just want to make it clear that this is all in good fun, and I'm uh, just – Upholding my long standing jocular beef with John Mullaney, uh, because all tall whites have to exclude all tall whites. Well, yeah, all tall whites named John, especially. Oh, John, especially with a last name that begins with Jeff, right? Right, for sure. Check out Auntie Donna's big old house of fun. If nothing else, stick for the ending credits song, which is a banger. As they say, oh, it's so good. It's, a lot of them are different. Yeah, they're they're all different. They're all different, um, but Man. and they're all good. It's it's a good show. This has this has the zero credits seal of approval in a way that nothing we've done a supplement the reading of has had the seal of approval before. Right, right, for sure. Double down on it. Um, yeah, Auntie Donna's big old house of fun. Good time. Good people. La- laughs. Good. GT GPL gtgpl that's what i'm all about poggers okay john <laughs> you just said poggers yeah i i recently had an epiphany about pog and then by association or extension poggers uh-huh poggers is like uh so the, for those of you who don't know there's a thing called twitch and there's uh, twitch has its own fucking language that's I've had to dissect over the years to try to understand. Poggers is always a good thing, right? Yeah. It's like a good game, right? Well, I think it comes from play of the game. Oh, like what? Overwatch got big and then had like a play of the game thing at the end of each match. And if you if you abbreviate play of the game and take out the the for no reason, uh, it it's Pog. Oh... I don't know if this is right, but that's my theory. A game theory. uh, Oh, game theoretics, combinatorics. I only know poggers because I kind of know what Among Us is. Oh, Among Us is very fun. Sure. I like it. I know people say poggers in it. I thought people just said sus in it. Well, you know, green is sus, but poggers. Poggers. Poggers is like celebrating a good play. A good move? A game? Oh, it's like, uh yeah, I get it. Something good happens and you'll say poggers. Yeah, I get it. I don't know. There's a whole language on Twitch. It took me years to understand that kappa just means like I'm being sarcastic. The only thing that I know about Twitch is sometimes I watch videos about the lead developer from New Vegas playing video games about medieval Europe, and that's pretty much it. Is that Jack Sawyer? Uh, Josh Sawyer. Josh. Sorry. Apologies to Josh Sawyer. Interesting to watch him play video games that are in German, because he speaks fluent German. Interesting guy, if true. Very much enjoyed his mods for New Vegas yeah, only way to play, dude. Jay Sawyer. Only way to play New Vegas. Yep, for sure. Um, well, I think it's now time for our news of the weird segment that we always do at the end of every episode. Yep, very normal. Very normal. Very very uh, appropriate. Uh, have you heard about this thing in Utah? Have you? Uh, have you? Have you heard about this? Heard about this? Heard about this? Heard about this? One of my favorite, favorite uh, David Letterman bits for sure. But 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 have you heard about this thing in Utah, John? The Utah Raptor? No. Can I get two more guesses? Yeah. The Utah Jazz? No. The um, Mormons? No. I'm sorry, all of those guesses were wrong. (laughs) Okay, well, I guess we'll see you next week. Yeah. Uh, it's. People are calling it the Utah monolith, John. Oh, I love a monolith! I can't believe I haven't heard about this. Uh, I'm just, so. This is coming from the Guardian uh, because the New York Times wanted me to pay for their article, and I refused. Uh, <laughs> uh, a giant metal mystery slab has captured the attention of millions as people speculate over how such a structure came to be in a remote part of southern Utah. Um, what? The object was first spotted last week by a helicopter pilot and wildlife officers who were flying above the rugged area to conduct an annual count of bighorn sheep for the state. Oh my god, I just looked it up. It immediately drew comparisons to the monolith featured in 2001 A Space Odyssey, as well as suggestions it could be the work of extraterrestrials. It's very shiny. Uh, So the helicopter pilot, whose name is Brett Hutchings, had the opportunity to see the big metal slab up close and guessed it was probably the work of an artist in between 10 feet and 12 feet, about three meters. What the fuck is a meter? About three meters. Uh, wait, a meter's about three feet. I know what a foot is. Wait, is he saying it's the work of an artist between? <laughs> 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 I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this is probably the work of an artist. Probably the artist is somewhere <laughs> between ten and twelve feet tall. What a, what a reach. What a reach to make in your initial assessment, huh? Maybe they had a stepladder. It's like the scene from Deadly Premonition to a Blessing <laughs> Blessings in Disguise, uh, where where York, uh, Detective York, posits that a ten-foot human being is the is the murderer. <laughs> I uh, I love the very relatable content we have related to not only Deadly Premonition, but its sequel. Still need to finish it. Um, the work was compared to those of many minimalist sculptors, including artist John McCracken, who died in 2011. Thank you, weird article detail. <laughs> They're like, hey, just in case you want to go off and be a detective on this john mccracken is long dead (laughs) a spokesman for his gallerist david swinner because we need to deep dive on this mccracken guy told the guardian the mystery object was not one of his works and said they suspect it is a work by a fellow artist paying homage to mccracken (laughs) Incredible. Zwindler, however, told the New York Times in a later statement that it could actually be a McCracken. <gasps> the gathering is divided on this, Zwindler said. I believe this is definitely by John. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, this <there's some> real <laughs> drama happening. This is the point where the police detective is like, get your story straight, dude. <laughs> Unbelievable. Oh, one thing that is known is that without authorization, it is illegal to install structures or art on federally managed public lands, according to Utah's Department of Public Safety. This is true no matter what planet you're from, (laughs) the agency said. I I will say that the CNN article is incredible Uh, (laughs) because I I want to preface going into this, that they definitely interviewed someone who is human and not an alien. And I cannot stress as I'm a, a normal human, uh, but we can, assi- we can safely assume the artist was not nailing quoting the article. Now humans are clearly capable of building rectangular pieces of art said Jason Wright a professor of astrophysics at Pennsylvania State University and the director of university's extraterrestrial intelligence center, begin, quote Jason Wright, This monolith is clearly the sort of things humans can and do make in a place where humans go. (laughs) All of that sounds very human. (laughs) What a human statement. (laughs) Oh, man, I... It's funny, because everything that makes news in this godforsaken year, you know, it <coughs> it threatens to upend the news cycle and become a real, like, thing we have to worry about and contend with. But hopefully this is just a little bit of levity for the year. They found a metal slab monolith in the desert of Utah, and maybe that's all there needs to be about that. <laughs> Uh, so apparently Wright said he thinks the model should remain among the rocks in all its confounding glory. It should remain a mystery. <laughs> you know so once again, Wright, a very human person. <laughs> um, there are some mysteries that we always you know, we want to know the answer to like you know John Bennet Ramsey, that kind of case and like what happened to flight, Malaysia 370, stuff like that. Uh, But sometimes there are innocuous mysteries that can just remain mysteries, and I think this is one of them. Yeah, there's nothing I care less about than the origins of this uh, of this rectangular object. Yeah, for sure. Even if it was like flawless in its construction and like no mortal hand, mortal hand, (laughs) no human hand could make this, I'd still be like, let's leave enough alone. I'd be like, we can come back to this. Mm -hmm. We've got a lot of these to worry about. Let's pencil this. We'll circle back in a week and see what progress has been made. Uh, But for now, let's move forward with the plans that we have. Can you imagine if in the modern day we had to, I mean, if someone came forward and was like, this is something that could not have been made by humans, is perfect, and is proof of extraterrestrials. We're like, cool Can we just come back to that in a second? Because it's not going anywhere. Can we get like a vaccine? Can we we go see the new Mutants in theaters or something now? Right, right. I want to see the new Anya Taylor-Joy film in theaters. Uh, Can we circle back on this? I Just come on. Listen, I watched The Queen's Gambit. I got a real Anya Taylor-Joy thing going on. I really want to... Everyone says The New Mutants isn't that good, but once again, I watched The Queen's Gambit, which is great, so I really want to see more Anya Taylor-Joy. Can we table the alien thing? (laughs) The funny thing is, the last movie I saw in theaters was Emma with a punctuation mark, which featured Anya Taylor-Joy, and then The New Mutants came out during quarantine, with Anya Taylor-Joy, and now The Queen's Gambit is coming out, current day quarantine, with Anya Taylor-Joy, she has been getting some work done. I mean, if we want to talk about unknowable alien beauties, let's talk about Anya Taylor-Joy, am I right? Um, I mean, sure, Right? she has a quality about her, I guess, but... I don't view her in that sort of lens. I view her in, I like her acting, and she has a fucking great range. Wow. Way to throw me under the bus. I don't know how to talk about beauty in 2020, John. You can just say that people are beautiful and leave it at that. <laughs> All people are beautiful. Shout out to Anya (laughs) Taylor-Joy. The only thing you can't do is comment on someone's Instagram post with just the word beautiful. (laughs) That is the only... um, So if you want to call somebody beautiful in this day and age, you have to preface it with all humans in their own way are beautiful. But if I could just highlight one person real quick. Yeah, I mean, broke is... Being too afraid to say that anyone is beautiful. Being woke is saying that everyone is beautiful. Henry, you're beautiful. Uh, On the inside. I I wholly disagree. Listen, I'm sure that you've got a great personality I, that hasn't come out in the 201 episodes of this podcast I, we've done together. That remains to be seen, John. Um, I I think I am adequate. I think I'm at my best when I'm quiet and out of sight. Henry... I just want to tell you a lesson I learned recently. Even a rat can cook. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Henry. I just want to tell you something. When Anya Taylor-Joy plays you in the Zero <laughs> Credits movie, she will not get out of the park. Yeah, I'm the Mr. Shy Bull. Who's going to play you in the Zero Credits movie? Oh, uh, what's his name? Her name? What's their name? Uh, uh God... I, to, to give you time to think, I'm being played, apparently, by Anya Taylor-Joy, which I do not deserve at all. I mean, you know, no one does. Right. I'm uh, I'm being played by, uh, you know, what's... God, what's her name? Uh, Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson? Yeah. Excuse me real quick. I have to go to Google. Um, you don't know Sarah Paulson? I don't remember. I'll also accept Laura Dern. Well, we, we would all love to be played by Laura Dern, um, Sarah Paulson. What is she from? Uh, she was in Ratchet, which is not a great thing to know her from. Um, I, I, I I'm not familiar with her work. Hold on, hold on. I, she seems to be have been in a lot of things. She's in the newest Run. Hold on. From uh, Hulu, the the new Hulu. She was in a lot of American horror stories. People vs. O.J. Simpson. She's Bird Box. Bird, yeah, she's good. How about you leave me alone? Uh, Why don't you get off my fucking case? I'll get off your case. I just wanted to know who she was. I honestly have not seen any of her movies. This is, this is I don't know. In a <gasps> She's in The Spirit? Oh, apparently. She's in my favorite movie of all time. Is The Spirit your favorite movie of all time? Oh wait, I'm thinking of uh Green Hornet. No, Green Hornet was terrible. The Spirit, however, is an unappreciated classic. I ne- it's directed by Frank Miller? A movie directed by Weird. Listen, the Spirit is is the is a perfect movie. Well then I'm amazed you don't know that she played Ellen. I don't know who Ellen is. Ellen Dolan. It's been a while since I've seen the movie. I'm gonna rewatch it eventually. Hell, you're gonna be alone just to watch it. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I am gonna be alone too. Um Alright. So I you know, this is about the time we should wrap up. I'll just preface this with I don't think I'll have time this weekend to watch uh, Better Luck Tomorrow. Um so we But you will perplexingly have time to watch the spirit. I could watch Better Luck Tomorrow tomorrow and not remember anything by the time we record. Yeah, there's no way. Don't do that. Yeah, so I'm going to watch The Spirit and be happy, John. Yeah, go for it. I just wanted to let our fans know we're going to do it. We're going to. Yeah, we're going to. Better Luck Tomorrow is the next one up. It's a busy time for everyone. There's a lot going on. Right. But we will... Watch, BLT. Oh, I never realized that it was BLT. Maybe the real BLT was the friends we made along the way. Bacon lettuce tomorrow. (laughs) Um, you know, leave the monolith alone. Leave the monolith. It should remain a mystery. It's a human thing where humans go. It's a human thing made by human hands where humans go. Please, it's normal. (laughs) Please accept our normality. Anyway. Yeah. Um, So this is the point of the the podcast that I always dread, but we have to discuss. Are you actually going to edit this episode? Sure. That's very flippant of you. I mean, you'll... Yeah, I'll have time. Okay. That means I get to do the social media plug. So if you want to send us your favorite movie and why it's the spirit, please send us a tweet on Twitter.com. To ZCPCWHJ. Which stands for. John. Z- Z- Spirit. That's right. zabirit That's what it stands for. And always has. Uh, you can also send us a longer essay. About why The Spirit. Directed by apparently Frank Miller. Is the best movie of all time. But you have to send us an email. To do that. So send your email. Two, email at zerocredits.net and we will receive it and respond to it and print it it out and put it on a refrigerator because that is the only opinion about that movie that we care about. We are also on Spotify. If you're using the desktop version of Spotify, you can go to the podcast section and type in zero credit, open parenthesis, S, close parenthesis, and you will find us. They've got all the latest episodes, or you could listen to us on shuffle for no reason. We're also on Apple Podcasts, and we uh, would appreciate if you would navigate to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review and a star rating because uh, it very much helps us stay relevant in this time of love in the time of cholera. I don't—that's not a joke that'll land. But most importantly, if you just tell a friend to listen to the podcast and recommend any of our latest, late, late, later episodes, they could start at the beginning, but tell them to start an episode, maybe 150. And uh, if you tell them, they'll listen, and word of the mouth is the only way we can survive. So please keep telling people so we can keep existing. Now, there's been a lot of talk here tonight. About the spirit this and the spirit that. But I want to be abundantly clear that the only thing that we at ZeroCreditsPodcast.com care about is the holiday spirit. And from everyone here at the Zero Credits, how many uh, bathrooms does your new house have? Uh, we have two. Two bathroom. Three. Do we always say bathroom? How many bedrooms does it have? We have three bedrooms. Yeah, but like really? Okay, we have two bedrooms. Like one and off a- Yeah, two two bedrooms and an office. Is it like one and a half bath? No, no, it's just two two baths, two full. So you've got a bathtub, yeah, and a shower. Yes, and you've got three bathrooms. No, no. <laughs> wait, bedrooms? Yes, yes. Okay, wait. Yes. So in so in three rooms, you have a bed. Okay, there's space for a bed. So there's a foyer. <laughs> <laughs> there's a there's a foyer, <laughs> a living room, yeah, and a skinning room. There's actually two living rooms. So from everyone here at the one and a half bathroom, one bedroom, <laughs> brand new house wrong. We want to wish you <laughs> all of uh, that was, happy week. All of that was wrong. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye.